Hello and welcome to the Daily Lawyer. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today is the start of our uh, careers in law series. One of the biggest aims of the TDL platform is to present uh, the law and the life of a lawyer in more realistic terms, and not the Bollywood stereotype that we are all saddled with. And our careers in the law series is uh, one step in this direction. So in this series, we invite experts from various fields of the law for them to talk about that particular specialization and what it means to be a lawyer in that space. And uh, to kick off this series, I am super excited to announce our guest. She is one of the most brilliant lawyers I know. Actually, she's one of the most brilliant people I know. Uh, she's a partner at uh, Dhawal Vasanji and Associates. She's a real estate law expert. And one of my dearest, dearest friends, Manisha Baranjpe Panikar. You can put your camera on now. And uh, hello, hi, hi, thank you so much for having me on this. Yes, Manisha. Manisha. Yes, I'm going to now read your super long bio, which I have tried <laughs> to condense because you're so accomplished. So, Manisha. Uh, graduated from GLC in 2009. She was a merit lister at GLC and then she's a gold medalist at the solicitor's exam, which is conducted by the Bombay Incorporated Law Society. She cleared in the first attempt all six papers. I told you she's brilliant. And she's been practicing real estate law for the last, I don't know, over a decade now. She's advised players on all sides of the table, whether it is uh, real estate developers, so all of the big names, Pyramid Reality, um, I don't know, Shapurji Palanji, uh, Loda Group, everyone. And then NBFCs, banks, lenders, purchasers, investors. She also opines on various real estate issues. And recently she's been working with uh, the government-backed stressed residential asset investment fund, which is Swami Investment. It's so long to say, but uh, essentially Manisha has been around the block when it comes to real estate law. And I cannot think of a better person. I cannot think of somebody better than you to kick off this series on this topic. So Manisha, welcome to the Daily Thank Lawyer. Thank you so much. Thank you for all the kind words. And you make me sound, you really do make me sound very accomplished. Right? Yeah, I don't have to try hard. <laughs> so magic, um, how all this started? Like, take me back to... Uh, where, why you became a lawyer? When we first met in GLC, yeah. uh, how how how? It's actually, a lawyer. Why did you become a lawyer? Why did you choose to become a lawyer? You know, this is it's it's not a it's not a good answer. You know, you make me sound so brilliant. Uh, I I only did it because I hate maths and I have taken science for my my eleventh twelfth and the traditional options are you know engineering and medicine and I did very badly in the medicine entrance exam. So the only option left was engineering. But I knew that that has a lot of physics and math and I have no interest. So I was just looking for something which didn't require any mathematics. And I thought incorrectly that, that law is, is the thing. I didn't know. I do a lot of calculation, unfortunately, now. But I didn't know it at that time. And I said, oh, wow, this sounds, this sounds uh, good. No maths, just English, read. So I was happy. And that's, that's the only reason why I did it at that time. Uh, and then gone well. Yeah, it's gone well. But how, what has been the journey from that point as a law student or whenever when you, uh, you know, passed out to now as a partner and how has that journey been like for someone who's starting out or who is a law student? How, how do you, how will you describe your journey? 
So I, I think one very good thing about GLC is the fact that we we get to start working really early when we are in college. Yeah. I think that's a great advantage that we have. And it's probably because we have no classes. So yeah. it's the only thing that, that we can really go to keep us as occupied. So I started working in my third year. Uh, I, I used to work with Mohan Jaipur, who is a very accomplished litigator. So I was working in a litigation firm. And that's where I actually signed my articles because he's also a solicitor and he used to have uh, so a lot of my my co-workers there had signed articles. So at that age, you know, you sort of do what what everybody's doing, yeah. right? And and I knew I didn't uh, even though I was working in a litigation firm, it was not my cup of tea. I, I knew I didn't want to go to court and argue every day. It was not something that that really excited me even then. And I never enjoyed meets like you know I, I was not very uh, keen on that. So I I signed my articles. Now what what an article shift is it's it's like an internship, but it's more extensive in the sense that you do it for three years. So unlike short-term internships, which are maybe only for a month or three months, because this is a three-year uh, articleship, there is a lot of investment from both the sides. Even your master, because your senior scholar master in that, he knows that you're going to be around for three years. So he spends that much more time training. And uh, because you also know you're going to be there for three years, you get to see matters end to end. I know in litigation, not many matters finish in three years even. But still, you are involved, uh, you know, in in depth for a longer span of time than you would in a shorter internship. And it it also gives you, you become responsible for that matter. And like, you know, when you're an intern, you're there for a month, you know, you're going to go. But when you're there long term for three years, it becomes your baby. Uh, they let you interact with clients, with counsel. So we used to, even when I was still a student, I used to regularly brief counsel, uh, talk to clients, draft a lot of plans and delivers. So uh, that really got me into the groove of becoming a lawyer. So even when you're a student, even though we weren't really learning much in, in law school, there was a lot of hands-on experience. So I finished my, my articleship there. I knew I didn't want to continue there because it was a litigation firm. And although I totally enjoyed my time, I learned a lot. In fact, litigation, I would say, is the best place to start out because the sort of, and, and you would know you do a lot of disputes. So uh, the experience that you get doing uh, litigation, you will never get anywhere else. So that 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 was an excellent starting point for me. Uh, then I took, to give the, these solicitors exam, you need to take a fairly long break to really study. You need to take about six to eight months off because it, you need to put in that sort of time and effort. So I, I took that break. And uh, during that break, I was also sort of looking out because I knew I didn't want to continue uh, you know, doing litigation. And that's where uh, I got I got a call from Kanga and Company, which is one of the oldest uh, you know, solicitor firms in Bombay. And they're very good at, at real estate. So I was very lucky that, uh, again, a lot of, I think a lot of my life has just been luck. I had no real intention to okay, I want to do real estate, but that's where the opening was. It was not litigation. I was like, yes, that's what I want to do. And uh, so after my assaults, before even my results came out, I joined that company. And uh, and yeah, and that's where I was. Uh, so so where I work right now, Tawal was a partner in Kangan company. And, you know, we, we moved out and started our own thing. So, so that's where the real estate journey started and has been continuing. So Magic, you mentioned so much about articleship and solicitors. And there's so much curiosity among these a lot of law students about what is solicitors because you don't have it all over India, right? You have it only in the, uh, like the old state of Bombay. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So that's Maharashtra, Goa and Gujarat, is it? So actually, uh, I don't even know about Goa and Gujarat, but 
it's it's predominantly something that the Bombay law firms are for because because yeah. you need to sign up with a solicitor, and most of the solicitors are practicing, uh, you know, in Bombay. And as you mentioned, BILS, that is the Bombay Incorporated Law Society, is the is the organization that runs it. So that's in the High Court at, at Bombay. So uh, as I said, you are right. There is not much, uh, not a lot of people in the rest of the country. I mean, let alone the rest of the world, know of this. Though I'm sure they're they're aware of what a solicitor is because of the British, you know, barrister solicitor system. But what it really is is it's it's a very difficult exam. Uh, of it has about six papers, different subjects. So you have a procedure like CPC, you have contract, you have corporate law like Companies Act, you have uh, income tax, you have real estate, uh, you know, transfer of property, etc. And there's something called modern commercial, which is a mix of mix of miscellaneous laws. And each of these papers, uh, there is no fixed, you know, especially coming from from GLC where you have a fixed paper pattern, you know what. We know what the papers are going to be like. This exam is slightly more more different because you don't know you don't know what sort of questions they ask. They ask a lot of practical uh, problems, uh, questions on recent judgments. So you need to be aware of of not just you know the law, not just the bare act. You need to know your precedent. You need to read your case law. Just general have general awareness. And uh, there is there are drafting questions where you know you have to draft a clause maybe in a in, in a sale deed or something like that or draft a covenant or maybe draft a plane some prayers in a plane or something which is application based. I don't think we ever had something like that in GLC at least. So uh, also the passing criteria is 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 difficult. You need to um, I've actually forgotten now what it was, but I think you you need to get more than fifty. In all, I've, I've forgotten. You need to get more than fifty, I think, in all six papers. But your aggregate should be more than sixty or something like that. It's 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 very difficult, and I did it more than ten years ago, so I don't really remember the details now. But what it does is, and and why I thought it was super helpful for me to give that exam was, and again I come back to GLC because you know I mean that's been my only experience of being a law student, and at least at that time we didn't have regular lectures. It was, it was just as I said, we would go to work, come back. Uh, take study leave for 15 days, study, give our exams, and that's what GLC was for us. At least in the three years where you know when the law subject started. The first two years we used to attend, but we didn't have any legal subjects. So, and you know when you're working, and although the the good thing about working in litigation is you do you do read the law very often, but a lot of other practices, you know, everyday general, uh, you know, I do a lot of banking and finance work now. Uh, a lot of times you're you're working on documents, you're negotiating, you're not really opening your your bare act and reading it. That doesn't happen when you're practicing the law every day. Uh, and it didn't happen in GLC because we were just studying, you know, for the exam, looking at the papers, whatever, reading chapalas and, and doing all of that. But uh, <laughs> you remember that. <laughs> the good thing about, about the solicitors was that I really had to study the law, uh, not just the bare acts, not just, you know, commentaries, but also look up case law, see what was going on, uh, practice my drafting, learn how things you know how crisp your prayers have to be made sure you cover because if you miss a prayer you're never going to get that relief because you simply didn't ask for it so all these practical things along with actually reading the law was something and you know you get to do it over a span of six months because that's time that you take off work and you choose to do this instead and then give those exams uh it, it also taught me how the various laws are actually interconnected because you know, you look at it, oh, you know, tax is something, How? what does that have to do with, say, transfer of property? Or You don't look at it together. But when you're studying for that exam and when you're reading all these precedent and everything, you realize that there's a lot of interplay of different laws, which at that time, 
maybe today after 10 years 12 years of practice we know but when you're a law student fresh out of law school at least i hadn't realized that interplay and to what extent it, it really was so that is something that uh, you know that i could at that time what i would have otherwise learned in say 5 6 years i was able to get that in a shorter period of time and that really helped me because when i started then working in kanga i was able to look at a matter more holistically not just look at it from you know okay just transfer of sale deed so i just think of the transfer of property it was not like that i would also think about income tax implications i would i mean now there's gst that we think about at that time it wasn't there but you look at things differently so that is something that that really helps you if you if you give us and do you recommend that uh, you know students sign up with uh, their article like whom do you recommend should do it because uh, i i think now uh, students are a lot more aware when we were in college we were like okay you're doing it i'm doing it we can go together yeah. we can come back together somebody you know i mean you know what's interesting is you know a group of us were very close yeah. close in college we all ended up doing different things yeah. so i don't think any of us Did the same thing. So even though we always thought, oh, I should do that, I should do this. We did end up figuring yeah, out our own ways out. So uh, yeah, that did happen. See, I would say, as you said, to, uh, I, I call them children now because I think that's what they are, right? I mean, to us. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I mean, the students, the students now are much more aware, and there are more. Uh, I don't know if there are more options, but they are certainly aware of. Yeah, of course. Options. Yeah. So I think if you're planning on doing, say, a master's abroad immediately after your after your uh, uh, you know your LLB degree, yeah. then, then maybe this doesn't make a lot of sense because so you can sign your articles only after your third year of of the five year course. So you need to do so say in your fourth, fifth year, and one year after oh, your yeah. after yeah. you graduate, yeah. Yeah. and then you're eligible to give that exam uh, in that same year, the end of the third year. So you should have finished three years of articleship before you give this. And this exam is in it's held twice a year. In, I, I think in in September, October, maybe October, November, and, and around April. So you need to have finished your three years before that. So uh, if you are planning on anyway getting uh, another degree, and you're not going to be here when you when you graduate, it I don't know if it makes sense for you to then tie yourself down to doing this. You may want to uh, you know work on what could get you into uh, a good foreign university, like because I think that requires a a more diverse sort of uh, experience, right? So maybe for 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 students who are more focused on that, this may not make a lot of sense. But if you are if you are interested in in working in India and you want to work in in areas and especially real estate, I find it very helpful to do even other like tax, corporate laws also, uh, even litigation because litigation you would know you you need to be sort of an expert in all laws. It's not just it's not just one thing. Uh, litigation for sure. <laughs> Yeah, correct. So, if you intend to continue to practice here, especially in Bombay, it it does have a lot of value, especially because. Uh, so, just to give my own example, if I get two CVs, you know, and, and one is a solicitor and the other is not, I would be a little more inclined towards the person who is a solicitor, not because I think he's smarter or she's smarter or anything, just because I know that this person has gone through that much of of studying is. and it also requires a lot of self discipline because this is not like a college exam where you know wo exam ka day hai to jana hi aapko nobody's behind you you've not paid some huge tuition fee or anything that you have to give it you can choose to simply not give it so the only thing that pushes you to give it is yourself so i know this person has some sort of uh, you know self motivational qualities disciplined so uh, as a solicitor i would perhaps you know give more more this thing weight to that cv uh, 
so if you're choosing to practice in bombay and bombay has a lot of solicitors practicing that may help you uh not to say that if you don't do it or if you don't clear it it, it actually doesn't make a difference but it it gives you that little extra and and yes i was fortunate enough to clear it in my first attempt but most people don't and that's okay even if i get a cv somebody's cleared it in the sixth attempt it shows a lot of persistence because it's not easy to keep you know taking time off work giving it so it it does show a lot of persistence and uh, whether you do it in one attempt two three four five it's it's still good enough at the end of the day and uh... what do you think is the like the career trajectory of a solicitor you know like what are the avenues that a solicitor can work in like just so as i up on I mean, your answer just building yeah. up on your answer like what do you think is a career traje- trajectory that because i know like you are doing real estate law but we also know others in our batch who are doing different things some are doing core corporate work some have Correct. gone abroad and worked you know so many things are there so i think people have this idea that if you are a solicitor you then you are geographically um limited to you know either bombay or whatever which is why i'm asking this question so no you're not uh, why i mentioned bombay is probably because it has more value in bombay as i said even a lot of people in the whole country may not know of it so uh, it may not be something that somebody else will be aware of outside but it certainly adds a lot of value to who you are as as a lawyer and even as a person because it and it gives you a lot of confidence you know to clear that exam more than anything else it, it really gives you that sense of you know okay if i can do this i can do a lot of things in life and uh, as i said it just increases your own uh, knowledge to just put it crudely i definitely knew a lot more after you know 6 months of studying than i than i knew before that do you think it makes you a better lawyer like uh yes in some ways I, i don't think you need to do it to become you can i think uh, there are so many people who are not solicitors who are excellent lawyers so it's it's, it's not a requisite but uh, but yes if you were to just look at yourself uh, if i were to look at myself before i was a solicitor and after that definitely it would change and there are many avenues of of reaching there and and this is one of the avenues that is definitely useful and do you think that it gives you better like uh, are you, are you paid better uh then a uh, like a non solicitor like is there a pay parity also that comes or pay disparity that comes Honestly, at the beginning I, or later at some point i think i think that really depends on on where you apply or what firms you apply to i as i said i think i think if the person you are applying to is a solicitor that person will probably see the value of the exam having gone through it themselves yeah. I, i don't know if if somebody who's not and as you said it's not a very a known concept also right like i would know what an llm from columbia for example means even if i have not done it i, I know the value it has a lot of people who have not done it may not know of the value of it Correct. so therefore i don't know if you would necessarily get a better pay package from someone who's not gone through it but yes as i said for someone who has given the exam if you uh, for that person definitely a solicitor applicant would have some sort of an advantage over somebody who's not done it okay and now magic now coming back to what you're doing now okay like real estate law for somebody who knows nothing about it what how are you going to exp- what do you do what is your role uh, what is a real estate lawyer do so many things like <laughs> okay. you just have to say so i'm sure uh, so okay so to put it very uh, simply so real estate obviously you know is immovable property right so anything and everything relating to immovable property comes within the ambit of of real estate and it's not uh, limited to only residential i know a lot of it at least for 
for a common man, real estate is, you know, you, like you mentioned, this is Woda and Shapunji, you see their buildings and that's what you think about. But there are different, obviously, types of real estate, like commercial and, and recently the logistics space is booming, so a lot of warehousing transactions that are going on. And different like malls, hotels, all of that come, come within the umbrella of real estate. Um, and what real estate is and what the practice of real estate is evolves over time. So say 10, 15 years ago when maybe I started working, it was, uh, or, or even like 100 years ago, if you see transfer of property, it talks about like five, six transfers, right? Like a sale, or a lease, exchange, mortgage, gift. These things have been around forever. These are simple concepts, which are still very much around today. Uh, or wills when you bequeath your removal property to somebody. That also comes within the scope of a real estate lawyer. You set up trusts where you settle property you know, onto the trust to be used in a particular manner. So all of this forms part of real estate. With new laws coming in and with new um, uh, with 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 new requirements, like I mentioned, warehousing uh, or or hotels or malls or whatever it is, with with new sort of avenues opening up, the transactions also change, right? So we do a lot of joint development, and we've been doing it now for the past, I would say, twenty years or so, where there's a landowner. Uh, who gives us land for redevelopment or development to, to a developer, the society redevelopment. There's a lot of, I mean, Bombay's filled with slums, a lot of SRE work that is done all the time. All of that comes within the ambit of, of real estate. Uh, for a layperson, when you go to buy a flat, you need to go to a real estate lawyer when you go to buy a flat. When you want to make a will, uh, though will is not necessarily only for immovable property, but sometimes that is the most valuable asset a you know, person has. So for all of these things, you, you go to a, to a real estate lawyer. Also, uh, you mentioned funds and investors earlier on. So it's not just developers or landowners or people who are buying and selling property, but all of that requires money, right? So when banks are lending or when uh, NBFCs funds are lending to real estate entities, they take security of the property or the assets. Uh, so we need to do diligence for all of that to make sure that you know the, the title is fine. Uh, so all of those documents or when, uh, you know, people are investing in the equity of a real estate company, all of that, though, that sometimes overlaps with corporate work. So a lot of times, like I mentioned, a joint development, if it's taking place through an SPV, so say the landowner and the developer forming a company or an LLP or whatever, uh, that can be done by a corporate lawyer also, because finally the documentation is a corporate document. But, and, and earlier on that, that sort of separation was more so a convincing lawyer would only do the more traditional convincing documents and everything else would be done say by a corporate lawyer but that's sort of merging now so like in our firm even though we are a real estate focused firm we do it across practice areas so we do corporate work we do we do a lot of dispute resolution also we do banking and we do the more traditional convincing work also along with title diligence which is which is there in all of these things, right? Everybody needs to investigate the title of the Yeah, but you need to tell people what is title diligence. I don't think most people understand what is okay, title sure. diligence. So um, just to give a very simple example, if you're buying a plot of, say, I'm buying a plot of land from you. I need to make sure, one, that this is the plot of land that you're selling to me and that you are the owner of it. There's no third person who's obviously interested in it, whether you have mortgaged it to somebody else, whether somebody's claiming uh, rights in that property as, as a licensee, there's a right of way perhaps going through the property. I need to know all of that because uh, to give the example of the right of way, okay, suppose I'm buying it to build like a little farmhouse for myself or a house for myself. And the right of way, so right of way is, is you know, somebody else's right to walk over your property to access something else. 
and that cuts across the middle of the land. And you know that runs with the land. It doesn't matter. You own it. I own it. You have to respect that right of way. I can't build a house if there's a road running in the middle of the property, right? So before you you get into any such transaction, you need to do your due diligence on the title and on the development aspects. Now, obviously, the development aspect, a lawyer would not be the best person to to guide you on that. Though, uh, because of our experience, we are also often able to highlight red flags when it comes to development. Like for example, the zoning would fall somewhere be between technical and legal, or uh, uh, you know, sometimes there are like like recently, you know, the there's this flamingo sanctuary at Thania Iroli Creek. So there's a buffer zone around it where you can't develop. So all of that, so suppose there's a property which falls within that buffer zone, then we need to tell our client that, you know, there will be restrictions on development. So although the title may be okay, there may be restrictions on development. So uh, knowing all that, then you do searches, you do searches in the sub-registrar's office to make sure there's no document that is registered. You do litigation searches, you give public notices. So all of that is part of title litigations. And sounds like so much work. Now, Magic, <laughs> now, what do you think? I mean, uh, for a person who's listening, right? Just a lay person. Uh, what would you think? Because you've done so much work across so many different sort of areas within the real estate space. What do you think are the most common mistakes that people are making? Just regular people are making. It can be anything when it comes to like uh, even get entering into a leave-in license or, you know, like everyday issues or some of the bigger clients that you've had. Uh, what what do you think are the mistakes that you've seen people make in the course? So, I know it can't be one, yeah. right? Can you probably have a lot of things yeah. that you've seen. Yeah, and a lot of people make different mistakes. So, but but one common thing that I, that I often see, and maybe you would have seen it, you know, when, when you were working in-house is that, a lot of people see this whole legal and this lawyer ka chakkar and diligence and everything. They just see it as a cost more than anything else. They're like, Isme to paisa ja raha hai, ye paisa bacha ke, you know, I'd rather use it to you know, do up my house or something like that. And it ends up being penny-wise pound foolish because, and I can understand when it's a huge amount of you're saving like cross. Yes, it makes business sense to do it. But when it's a question of maybe a few thousand or a lakh or something, it doesn't make sense to say not give a public notice or not do your searches. And a lot of times it's not the cost. It's often the time you would know with bigger clients, they have all sorts of deadlines, quarter ending and all sorts of deadlines, auspicious days. No, we have to close the deal today only. I can't let you give a public notice. Which you can't wait for 15 days or, or something like that. It doesn't make sense because, and if everything goes well, it's fine. But if it doesn't go well and there is some litigation or there's some other person's right on it, you're going to be stuck fighting and that's going to cost you a lot more time and money than than what you saved so that is something that i, I see people doing it's it's sort of lesson now but but yeah people still try to sort of cut corners when it comes to to legal work unfortunately uh relating to that also a lot of times people get into transaction and exchange money without putting things down on paper and they come to you they come to you after you know money has changed hands and it becomes sometimes very difficult for both parties to agree what their original understanding was because you know after the money's gone from my hands i'm trying to say something the other guy is saying something else it becomes very difficult then to you know draft something which actually captures what their or original understanding was so i wish people involved lawyers at a more primary stage and and didn't you know sort of progress and then call lawyers in to solve solve the mess 
you also think this is because there's some kind of trust deficit when it comes to lawyers like you feel like they're going to take advantage of you because that seems to be the general you know like bollywood is not only made us you're right like, yeah you're right it's made really us like, like these empty uh, you know like these real like sharks or vultures you're waiting to eat everybody's and not and you know this, this whole perception and I, even when i was uh, studying law and i don't know if you got a lot of people think that lawyers are just people who fight like you like arguing that's why you want to become a lawyer and that's their impression which is not true right i mean lawyers are counsel that's we're supposed to advise people we're not here to fight even even in dispute resolution you're not fighting with each other right you're you're trying to resolve a dispute you're, that's why it's called dispute resolution but that's not what people people hear so you're right i mean a, a lay person's perspective of a lawyer is not positive uh, they think either we are just going to scuttle the deal like point 100 problems and say nahi ye to karna hi nahi hai or they think we are just trying to make a quick buck and making them spend money where it's not required but but that doesn't help us i mean we are we're not going to get anywhere if we just tell everybody to not do their deeds right uh, you're on mute supposing a lay person is buying a property or uh... they are entering to a leave in license for a shop or what are the things that you would advise that person to look at like what what do you because from what i understand everything that you're saying is just risk mitigation right these are the risks because you're not doing all of these and then you end up falling into a bigger problem later on so if you have to just give them like two three points or a few points just to tell them what are some of the things that you will ask them to see yeah so uh, when it comes to purchase of property one very good thing is is rare that has you know come about in the last i, th- I think 5 6 years and uh, it's it's not 100% there i think developers still find ways around it but it has changed a lot of uh, I mean, even even to the common man i mean I, i'm surprised at how much people you don't know about rara they will they will look at the property and say iska mai rara pe jaake search karu man stuff that's amazing there's a lot of information that is available now online and the good thing about you know the social media and whatsapp and everything is a lot of flat purchasers band together and uh, you know how they safety in numbers right so at least in new projects because of rara coming in and and because of uh, you know flat purchasers sort of taking a collective stand things have got better i would say for home buyers um, also ibc has given home buyers status of financial creditors so there is now some uh, in there's a lot of confidence even in home buyers when they're buying under construction property though of course it comes with its own risks so i think the risks when you're buying under construction as opposed to risks when you're buying a uh, you know a secondary transfer are very different when you're buying under construction the biggest risk i mean yes title is a risk but the bigger risk is that the developer runs out of funds somewhere and stops construction that's actually the bigger risk because and i'm not saying title is not a problem but uh, what courts also sees here are thousands of flat purchasers who are innocent of put their life savings into it bought this property they are not and you know there are home loan lenders there are banks who have uh, you know have given construction finance there are too many innocent so as to speak third parties who is unlikely that the court will punish because of a title defect so yes if there is a problem with the title most likely the developer will have to you know monetarily compensate the person yeah. who's been wrong but very unlikely that you know all of you will be asked to move away in your building demolish very unlikely for that to happen so for an under construction property i would say yes title diligence you must do but uh, you know look at the repute of the builder look at his track record and see if he's 
finished his construction reasonably on time i don't think a lot of them finish it on time but reasonably on time and you would know have a look at their other projects see their construction quality etc uh sorry something is gone off can you see me okay yeah i can um when you when you're doing a secondary uh, purchase when you're buying from somebody who's not a developer title becomes much more important because what you're doing and and sorry just to go back to the first one uh, you have your rights under era in that right because that guys are promoter you're on a lot so you have a forum which is made for you where you can take your disputes the act um uh, you know has has a section that says the developers always responsible for title etc so the so the law is is sort of made for you in in that sense when you're doing a secondary transfer however uh, that would be where say for example i have bought it i bought a flat from the builder and i'm staying in it and then i transfer it onwards to you now there i would say and of course the building is it may be under construction it may be completed most often it is it's already completed there the risk of the developer is gone because the building is already there your risk on the title then becomes more relevant and and we have seen it in a lot of cases a lot of times there are uh, you know family properties where say i have bought it and for whatever reason my brother is the guy who's living there who's trying to sell it off and it's and there are people who come to me and i say but you know the the name on the share certificate is a completely different name you are dealing with somebody else so it's sometimes it's as basic as that where uh, maybe you know i let my my siblings stay and that person just tries to sell the flat or a lot of times um, say i buy the flat and i die now i have two legal heirs one of them tries to sell it without the other knowing etc so um, or i have mortgaged the flat to somebody i don't have my original documents lying with me um so so things like that becomes very important to do your title diligence especially when you're buying buying it from a Uh, you know buying it as a secondary chance so you like you recommend that they actually go to a lawyer and get a title diligence done uh, yes yes you should you should at least do do give a public notice do your sro searches which is your searches at the solicitor's office which your lawyer can all do can do for you inspect the original documents make sure the documents are with that person and also always go and check with the society because a lot of times the you know the society is aware of things that may not have been told to you because you know their nocs are required for mortgages etc so um, so yeah please when and and especially real estate in bombay is expensive so people put in a lot of money in 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 buying a home so it's worth it to spend that much more money and just go to a lawyer and make sure it's it's you know done properly and what about leave in license because you know i i uh, a lot of people don't know the difference between leave in license and lease first of all so a lot of people are entering into like for you know i'm taking a house i'm taking a house on rent or whatever and you know so you want to talk a little bit about what is leave in license and lease and just so used to be a very popular question in our i think yeah in our exams yeah yeah what is the difference hmm. so lease creates an interest <laughs> was a table used to be so lease creates an interest in the property and leave in license is an easement uh, i'm guessing people would have some background what an easement is so easement is <laughs> easement is a right to to maybe use so the basically just a permission to use and not yeah permission to use not, not to, an interest yeah interest meaning that you can, it, it, you can also like uh, pass it on uh, yeah it's transferable you're it's right transferable. one of the differences is that it's transferable and heritable and heritable yeah as a given license so is, is what not. do you think like is like you you said uh, you, i mean you gave very practical points for uh home buyers but what about renters what about uh, what are some of the things that like for example I, i'll tell you most of in my experience people who've had a problem especially when i was in house and we were negotiating our uh 
um, office spaces and all of that. Um, liquidated damages was a was one thing that I have always had to fight fight for or uh, or fight against in my case or security deposit like you know uh, most people don't pay attention to that security deposit clause because many times the return of security deposit is not mentioned or the fact that it has to be interest free refundable yeah, yeah. No. yeah you know so <laughs> stuff like that yeah no so i don't know why it's not mentioned because it definitely should be mentioned is that but you know it's amazing how how many documents i've got which people have just taken off google and just done cut copy paste idhar se udhar like regular people have done that you know not even gone to a lawyer and they have said abhi sign karo uh it's it's yeah, so, so i think yeah so i think that that that's what i mean when i say it's not sometimes worth it to cut those corners you know you you may be saving a little bit of money but it's not worth it in in the long run so please go to a lawyer who you know who yeah. specializes in yeah. Uh, and, and specialization also is 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 important nowadays because you know I was just thinking I mean we have a friend who does who does aviation law right I have no idea I don't even know the A of aviation law so somebody came to me I would be so lost right so so go to a lawyer who who has experience in 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 what you need uh, and, and that's why I was so taken aback like how would you not talk about the return of the security deposit because it's such a basic clause in 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 a leave and license yeah right? so so yes you're right I mean they a lay person is not expected to know that yeah, uh, yeah. so yes definitely please run it through a, a lawyer at least well, you're muted please don't google and just like take random like i think that's the first thing that we should tell everyone because yeah, or you or you can google and you you can maybe make up your your list of questions or some concerns that you have and, and ask them this is what i do i mean you know how much i google unfortunately and every time i take my kids to a doctor I've already diagnosed the, their problem, and I just say, "Is it this?" It's like you Google this again. <laughs> But please, I I do end up going to a doctor, so so you you can do your basic homework, and and actually, I I I'm not saying I I encourage people to Google, but the fact that we have so much information available easily is a boon. So yes, if people want to use that, please go ahead and and do it. But that's not don't, intended don't to replace professional advice. Yeah, of uh, course, that's not yeah. the intention. So, so please do take professional advice where it's required. And 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 yes, a leave and license and a lease coming coming back to the original question. So you know, it's it's interesting in Bombay or in in Maharashtra or the leave and license that you refer to, right? When you when you take a flat or an office space yeah. on on rent, yeah. as, as we call it, we term it a leave and license. In in Delhi or Noida or Chennai, they do it as a lease. The same thing, they it's called a lease. So, although legally there are the, the the table that I spoke about and the differences, legally that difference is there. It's used. It's it's practically used sort of interchangeably when it comes to taking, uh, you know, premise on on rent for a short time period. Uh, yes, in in Bombay the practice is to do it as a leave and license. Uh, the difference, yeah, also is in stamp duty. So yeah, that's one of the main yeah. reasons in Bombay why it is done separately and and why everybody does those leave and licenses for five years because after that. It, it, It's yeah. as good as paying yeah. stamp duty yeah. on a lease. So why wouldn't you just do it? Instead, yeah. Right? Uh, so yeah. So that 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 becomes important. And uh, a license is not required to be registered. Now, when I say this, I mean a general license. Now, under the Rent Control Act, a leave and license is required to be registered. So uh, from what I've seen nowadays, most people are aware of that and yeah. and and do it. 
but uh, there are still some people who are not aware of it so it's it's important that you go and take that professional advice and why most people do it is also because the burden of getting it registered is, is on the license or now as a license or uh, what i'm doing is i'm giving up in that sense possession of my property yeah. we call it charge and occupation and all of it but finally you are the one who's living in my yeah. flat so i need to have those terms of your exit clearly written yeah and and because the law says that the responsibility of getting that registered is on me that's the only reason why everybody goes and does it because otherwise i'm i stand to lose right because yeah. you are sitting in my property and then you're both fighting about you know what the terms of the exit are so uh, so it's a good thing that's being done uh, but technically speaking just a license does not require to be to be registered it's only because of the rent control act and the provisions there under which is why we we register it here but but yeah there are people who um, you know like you were talking about the mistake so this is not as common but some people compulsorily registerable document you know i keep telling them it's your title which is going to be you know in question if you don't register it they are like but you know stamp duty is like too gross yeah i can't afford it and um, it's not worth it it's really not worth it you know you, i know it's a hit but it's 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 not worth fighting in court for years and for a lot more than that amount uh, you know related to resolve issues so then from so if we have to um put all the mistakes together i think the first one would be take legal advice then and like take expert advice basically so now because you know like just drawing down from that who are the people who should come to you magic as a lawyer like who are the people who should take your services or who comes to you like who are your clients so so i think like you mentioned so the the firm i work with i work with we we advise a lot of the bigger players so uh, not to say we don't advise an, an individual who wants to buy a flat but that's that's not our usual uh, not our usual client. that's not your main stay really. yeah. yeah yeah so we we advise uh, we advise a lot of the big developers so 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 also what we advise them on is when they are uh, looking out for land to develop they they may just buy land or they normally most people do joint ventures or development yeah. agreements just because you don't have to pay the full consideration up front if you buy the land you have to pay yeah. you have to pay the owner yeah. initially right so so we advise them on the title on the documentation on structuring you know how to do that uh, as i said we advise a lot of banks funds who Uh, you know who lent to these entities because uh, we can help with the title and again the documentation the mortgages uh, etc and investors who invest in in this space we also do you know like i mentioned sometimes there are hotel operating contracts because hotels are obviously built by the real estate developers and then these chains like uh, hyatt or hilton or whatever will operate them so those sort of contracts we often advise developers on so uh, that that's the main focus though we we do a lot of other work but yeah real estate wise that's that's our main client and what do you think now is lacking in today's legal system like that's our last question for the law part uh i think i think people's confidence is lacking in the legal system you know like know. you mentioned i know uh, lawyers are not positively looked upon and i don't so yes bollywood definitely or media or whatever we call it is is uh, you know one reason for it but i think we can't deny the fact that our courts are overburdened and we just have a huge population and we don't have enough courts and enough judges so there is obviously a lag in in disposal of cases and i mean we would be the first people to say if you file a case is going to go on for years and it's going to take your time and your money and 
you know your sanity because you're just going to be it's, it's not nobody's happy right fighting fighting a, a battle in court so i think all of this has just led people to just have they don't they want nothing to do with lawyers and that's oh. that's very sad because that's not what what we are here for we are to make a life easier right the, the the point is to mitigate the chances of of you going to court so i think that's something that's un- unfortunately lacking so we are going to do this one step at a time so with this platform we got yeah i know i know with one one podcast at a time yes. one podcast at a time one step <laughs> at a time okay magic thank you for this lovely uh, informative okay last segment we call it 5 4 3 2 1 so i'm going to ask okay. you five like five tips or five productivity tips because you said you've become more productive you are more productive and more efficient after being a mom uh what are the five productivity tips or routines or things that you follow or that has helped you okay so i think um, you can even talk about apps and stuff like that huh, which has helped you like other people will benefit okay so i no i i don't have any apps okay <laughs> so i think uh, what i already mentioned i think i i already mentioned two things one is you prioritize uh what is important to you and i think to do that first you have you have to understand what is important to you a lot of times you're just going with the flow like you said you know society has a pattern of things that you do and we just end up following that and yeah. you know i've i've realized that yes my career is important to me i love being financially independent i like working but it's not the most important thing in my life like i know a lot of people for them their primary the way they look at themselves is primarily as a lawyer i a lawyer is just one of the things oh. in my life it's not the yeah. thing so that's something that i've realized you know only after having kids so i think you should know know yourself and know what you want out of your life then prioritize accordingly um like i said delegate because that's the only way you're going to uh, you know accomplish more yeah whatever you you need to do or whatever you want to do um then i think you should because this is something i i do i do take breaks all the time but then i feel guilty about doing it like oh you know i i wasted time i watched netflix i didn't do this i could have done that i think you should not do that i think take a break enjoy taking the break and don't give yourself you know grief about it uh because that does help you when when you yeah. take that break and yeah. you go back you're definitely more productive and you're just trying to you know finish the task which you've been on for hours and i think the last thing i don't know if it's if it's really yes it definitely helped me with my productivity i would uh, you know i would get worked up or and and this happens a lot over emails you know professionally especially when there are like email chains and a lot of times tone doesn't come across in emails huh. or messages right yes. so somebody yes. writes something maybe they don't intend to be rude but it sounds really rude and i would get super worked up and i would be like oh, i want to send a stinker back and i would do this it it's not worth it like you should just pick your battles and this is even not just professionally even like we were speaking with you know with whether whether it's your partner or your whoever's providing childcare when you're not around you should just pick your battles focus on the bigger things smaller things may go wrong here and there Very you will let go and, and and as long as your big items are checked off you should yeah don't sweat the small stuff uh because i used to waste a lot of my time just doing and being angry over stupid things that i could have used that time more productively so so that i i think i'm finally learning to you know let go of it's like really things. useful advice magic all five of them were really useful advice <laughs> no really i mean you know you learn you learn this like you said over the over the course of 
few years but uh, yeah. yeah but really good advice okay four books that you recommend anyone to read should read listen okay, to so so i think one is like especially if law students are hearing this i'm sure they've all already read to kill a mockingbird it's very popular amongst <laughs> lawyers and i think everyone should read it really yeah. makes a difference i think it changes changes the way you think uh, another one that i really love is catch 22 uh, it's it's what what would you love i love it yeah, i think it's hilarious i can't believe that somebody has written such a funny book on such a dark morbid and depressing yeah, depressing topic, topic right and it still comes through his message just shines you will laugh while reading the book you will cry while reading the book yeah. but when it's done you know exactly what he yeah. wants to say so, <laughs> so that's that's a book that i think i think everyone should read um you said four about me too then then you know uh, because of the kids i've been reading a lot of our uh, you know mythology like indian or hindu mythology like the ramayan and short stories about hanuman and krishna and all of that and i've realized that you know when i every time i read it or maybe different ages when i read it i have a very different perspective mm. on those stories and there's something different that i take out of it like i've read it we've all read it like you know as children then yeah. as previous teenagers and amar chitra katha whatever and then now you know when you read it as a mother to your child i think i think it's amazing that stories that are so old and really in a different uh, time altogether still can resonate so much today and you can still learn so many different things from it depending on your own stage of yeah. of life yeah so uh, yeah i think any of those you know the ramayana mahabharat parts of that of that even so yeah have i got four no. okay the fourth one this is this is slightly funny but there's a book there's a book called everywhere babies it's actually a board book for babies i love it and i read it all the time and i think everyone should read it it's it's just a it's a picture book so it's it's got like big pictures and hardly any any words but it it basically talks about a journey of a baby from you know birth to to the age one and it it says every day and that's how the book is every day everywhere it says babies are fed and then there are pictures of babies being fed in different ways so a baby being bottle fed somebody being breastfed someone some baby like you know eating on his own making a mess some sibling feeding it a grandparent feeding it and then it says every day everywhere babies are carried in different ways in which somebody's holding in the arm someone's got child on the shoulder somebody's got a carrier somebody's pushing a stroller and i think uh, the message that i take at least from it is that there are different ways of doing the same thing and there's no one right way of doing it yeah. everyone's yeah. doing their best everyone's doing whatever works for them and it's all coming from a place of love and concern and uh, that really resonated with me especially you know going back to that you know when we said we get advice from a thousand people when you're a new mother nobody's doing it and i i think nobody's doing it to stress you out or to yeah. you know, make your life yeah. easier they're doing it because they're concerned for you and your child so that it it really helped me at that time to read that book because it sort of settled me down that there's no one right way of doing things when people are telling you something it's it's because they care for you you don't have to listen to them but don't get worked up just because someone is you know putting a different point of view than than what yours is and strangely it was that picture book about babies that that talked to me that's a beautiful perspective huh, that you've taken from that i don't know whether i would have done the same thing but i i think it's a beautiful perspective that i'll remember it okay now three and i'll give you that book if you don't have it because i really yeah. no i actually wrote three tips oh, okay three tips for law students or young lawyers 
Okay. Okay. So lawyers. So you just switched it up. I was talking about babies and other lawyers. Like I get so confused <laughs> when you switch things up. I think uh, for, for, for law students, I think, uh, you know, going back to what I said, the, the big advantage of GLC was being able to work while you're studying. If, if you're able to do that and if you're able to try different things, because you know, once you graduate and you get into uh, you get into work life, you may not be able to switch from yeah. different practice areas and it may not work also for you because uh, you know then you want to gain expertise in a particular area so when you're a law student if you're, if you're able to get that sort of diverse experience maybe do six month internships because I don't think one month internships really give you a lot so if you're yeah. able to do it then then please do it or if you can't work at least uh, you know maybe read read different case law maybe talk to lawyers of different you know who are practicing like something that, that you know you're doing right now Maybe if you can listen to things like that. So even before you start practicing, you have a general idea of what the different practice areas are and what appeals to you. Yeah. So I think that would that that would really help. Um, that's one you said three. Second is, I think in this, prof- or maybe in any profession, but I wouldn't know about the others, but you need to put in the hours and you need to yeah. work hard. There is, there is no shortcut. Uh, there's a lot I know that people speak about work-life balance and it is undoubtedly important. But that doesn't mean that's that the ages basically uh, of that. Yeah, correct. So, so it 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 you you need to put in put in the hours, especially when you're just starting out and you don't have a lot of uh, if you don't have a lot of responsibilities because as you you know grow up, you'll have kids and you have your parents get old and you know we need to to help out there also. So, if you're at a stage where you don't have a lot of other responsibilities, please devote that time to your career because you may not get that sort of I would say free time again. Yeah. And I think uh, thirdly, just, I think as a lawyer, you need to read a lot and not just read, uh, not just, not to say read for your exam or read for the matter on which you're working on. You just generally need to keep yourself updated okay, and yeah. aware of what's yeah. going on. So I think that can only come from reading. So lawyers or law students should focus on that. as well. Okay. Lovely. And then two life lessons you want to share with everyone. <laughs> so yeah, two life, two life lessons. And these are literal lessons because I've learned, I've learned, literally learned them. And I think I was telling you the other day that that's what I mean. I wasn't a nice person. I was so judgmental. Like, please stop being judgmental because you don't know, you don't know people's lives and you don't know their stories. And yeah, I, don't know. I would just tell myself, like, stop judging people based on, uh, you know, maybe your first impression or what they appear to be be doing it with their lives it's or what or where they are now where they are today correct 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 so just stop i think uh, i'm not telling anyone that it's more something that i tell myself and just stop stop no judging. but you and, it's a lesson that i think we we all would do well to learn and we sometimes you learn it the hard way also but yeah, it's better to keep yeah. in mind for sure yeah, and that's what i mean by you know uh, you become a little kinder maybe after you yeah. have kids yeah, I, I don't know what it is but that's what i or maybe it's just age, like you know, when you're a teenager, it's generally like mean and angsty or whatever it was. But but yeah. Um, and the other thing is that you know, don't compare and you know it, it, they say right, comparison is a thief of joy, and it's it's really true. And uh, and I think because of social media, this it's it's it happens more because you can see Insta and all of that where people are just putting their they're on holiday and doing all these glamorous things and you look at that and you but they're winning all these lovely awards on LinkedIn and you're thinking oh my goodness what's happening yeah or, or they're looking like so created you're like oh look at me I'm sitting in my pajamas and I'm so whatever and there, are, there are all these things 
but that doesn't it doesn't help yeah. you at all in any way because uh, i mean i mean first of all their happiness is not your sadness it doesn't take anything away from you if anything you should be happy for them yeah. and and secondly you are living your own life right what is you should just instead focus on on what is important to you and just focus on that instead of thinking oh i don't have that or i should have had this and if you want it just work towards it don't grudge somebody else you should, you should make that the tagline of this episode if you want it work towards it because i'm sure that's that's pretty much what you've done in your life okay oh, so. even though you I say know. it's like a, a series of happy accidents and all of that i don't know but i think it it I mean, I have to say I'm very, yeah yeah i've been very fortunate touch wood yeah. in in life i think that's imp- it's also important to to you know have that in mind that yeah of course not yeah. everything is is your doing so, yeah yeah and what is the best advice like the last one okay one best piece of advice that you've ever received in your life so far so i don't know if i have received that somebody told me or i've just read read it somewhere but i think i have just and maybe all this is the culmination of all the things you know that i have said about prioritize and know yourself and everything i think finally just do what makes you happy even if it doesn't fall within you know the general checklist that society has or, or what your parents have or what whoever has for yourself or what everybody around you is doing just do what what you want and what gives you peace at the end of the day and, and you can sleep happy because if you do and, and you know this is what i meant by saying that i realized after having kids that my career is not the main thing in my life because and i know you come under under that pressure sometimes when you and i mean frankly in my life academics has been the only thing i've been somewhat good at so i've always had that okay if i study well i should i should to if i studied well i should you know do well at work and maybe i sort of put that pressure on myself yeah. but i would not have been happy working like 15 hours a day and just going home and seeing my kids sleeping and not spending it that would not have made me happy yeah. so i think you need to i mean you need to means everybody needs to identify what what works for them and what makes them tick it doesn't have to be the same as everybody else and identify that and just do that and please keep yourself at the top of your own priority list because a lot of us forget that we're all trying to keep everybody else happy and please other people but you, you know i mean as it's a very famous mom saying right like you can't pour from an empty cup yeah you can't take care of others if you yeah. don't take care of yourself yeah. so just do what keeps you and makes you happy i think that's the best advice that i have got yes. and i agree so I, i agree fully that that is a i don't know whether that's the best advice i have received but i i agree fully and i think we are taking the steps to do that now in our lives <laughs> Yes. Okay, magic. Thank you so much for sparing this You're time. Most welcome. I know you need to go back to work, so thank you, thank you. We've had like this. I'm so happy to speak to you like this. We had a great conversation. Thanks. Yeah, I'm so glad it went well, and I didn't burst out laughing like I yeah. started. <laughs> yeah, made you put off your screen. <laughs> okay, bye, magic. Yeah, Have a nice bye. day. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank bye. You. Bye. Bye. bye.